Welcome to another episode of Time Extend. Uh, this is a very special episode, a very different episode. But before we get into that, who is joining me today? It is Brendan Morrison, and we're here again with a bit of deja vu, I suppose, because um, for unforeseen circumstances, we're going to be talking about our racing evolution once more. But now we're doing it live on Twitch, and I'm not sure if that's a net positive, Adam, or it's a negative because we spent. It was an hour and a half on a Saturday morning, incredibly early for you, discussing Reina and Gina and all of those guys in that game. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, we, we record that one very, very early. So the background to this is about two weeks ago, we recorded the Our Racing Evolution episode that uh, unfortunately is lost to the ages. Um, it disappeared somewhere in the annals of Google Drive. Uh, which is probably where Ridge Racer, the franchise, is as well. Um, <laughs> and it was very upsetting because a lot of people like our racing evolution. Um, you know, it's a fun game to talk about. Even if you don't like it, it's a fun game to talk about. And it has its cult following. And we knew that we couldn't just not do the R racing episode. It's a meme at this point. So uh, we wanted to still do it, but we didn't just want to re-record the podcast because that's never fun. And uh, we actually haven't really ever lost an episode before, but it just, you know, it's, it's not an off-the-cuff, you know, fun, fun experience. So we thought we would use it as an opportunity to do a live show, uh, the first live show we've ever done. We've done streams before, but the yeah. objective with this one is that we are going to take the episode after it's done, put it on the regular podcasting uh, channels and airwaves where you can listen to it normally um, but for those of you that are here now that are watching you get to see our lovely faces and you also get to uh, make comments and, and questions and things in the chat and we'll be just addressing those I think uh, over time as we as we talk about the game right? Yeah, yeah exactly so anytime that we talk about something that maybe a slight bit controversial or just things people have a lot to say on and this is one of those games where that's the case we'll just check what the chat is and kind of overlay that into it obviously it's not going to be a perfected totally understood format but it's something that we'll get through and I mean I can already see guys that QXC are there so we're going to hear what he has to say regardless of how much we acknowledge it so it's um, <laughs> we've got a good night ahead of us I think yeah um, and you know, our racing, I think that's why this is a great first episode to do live too, because this game, man, I mean, Fernando's here in the chat, uh, friend of the show, Fernando Moutinho, he, he loves our racing evolution, big fan, big fan of our racing evolution. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure there are others here as well. And we have to make sure though, when we, when we read some of the comments and stuff, we, we have to make sure we read them because people are going to be listening to this episode. So, you know, we can't just, uh, react without acknowledging what the message was in the first place. I'm thinking a lot about that and I feel like I'm going to screw it up at some point. <laughs> no, I mean, it's going to be, that'll be tough, but we'll get there and I suppose just to kick things off as well, obviously to kind of talk about this game, I did revisit it. Um, I think we both did obviously, um, to, to get a feel for the way it was like and to just basically try to refresh our memories because I know for me it's a game that I haven't properly got into since I played through it the first few times when I was a lot younger, I think it was, must have been 13 or 14 at the time when this game came out, if that, maybe slightly younger. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because when I fought back to the game, I fought on it pretty fondly and I even felt the story and stuff was compelling enough, especially for a, a racing game. Um, what I found going back to it now is that I just didn't really hold up as well as I wanted it to. That that's what's really kind of struck me. I, I went to this game hopeful that it was going to kind of capture the imagination and make me say, well, this is exactly what we should be seeing now in terms of where the technology is. Maybe this is something that can be revisited, improved upon. But I think the reality for me was that it was very much an exercise in mediocrity in some aspects but then also has that underlying kind of Namco charm that's there. I'm still glad it exists from the perspective of it being pretty fucking random all things considered. 
And um, yeah, well, uh, I always feel as if it's cheating to bring it up, but obviously the presentation and style are also fantastic and timeless. But what I found from the actual kind of gameplay perspective and the, the main kind of crux of the game was an experience that was probably a bit more of a letdown than my kind of my tinted glasses had led on when I when I was thinking back on the game before going back and actually playing it. Yeah, and and I can totally understand that. Um, I first played this game. I think I got it for Christmas 2003, which would have been my my 10th birthday, and it had come out or 10th birthday it would have been 10 years old, and uh, it had come out uh, December 9th in the U.S. It come out like a couple days or like a week or two earlier in Japan, and it didn't come out in Europe uh, until April of the following year. So you know, this game came out right. I think it was about that point. Like Gran Turismo 3 had been out for two years. Um, uh, over two years and people are starting to get antsy about the next, you know, sim racer on the console because, you know, this was a time before Forza, you pretty much only have like Sega GT, uh, yeah. all the Model E's that came and went, uh, people didn't really like that. And the big thing about our racing evolution, uh, or our racing as it was known when, uh, when it came out in Europe is that this game uh, was multi-platform, which was a really big deal because, you know, PS2, Xbox racing game, okay. But, like, on GameCube, um, you know, for this to be, obviously, by today's standards, not realistic at all. But, uh, but you know, for, like, 2003 standards, a reasonably realistic racing game on the GameCube is, uh, is a pretty big win for people who had a GameCube. And, you know, I played the game on Xbox, but, you know, if I, uh, I, I often think that, like, if I only had a GameCube, you know, I couldn't play Gran Turismo, I couldn't play anything else, I, I probably would have just, like, clung to our racing for dear life. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. it was serving a market that just wasn't there. I think as well, when you think about what our racing offers uh, from a pure driving point of view, it's such a wide spectrum that it, it does feel like that kind of condensed Gran Turismo experience, I suppose, content-wise, you would have it comparable to the concept titles perhaps in the sense that you've got these different disciplines represented you have a quite a good varied car list which obviously we'll get onto later but you've not only got the kind of newer cars at that time but there's also some really cool retro inclusions in there as well um, and then some pretty crazy race cars as well that we wouldn't see in any other games so in terms of the experience it offers from that kind of driving perspective as well, it's not as if GameCube owners would feel shortchanged in terms of what that driving experience should be like if it's good. It's just that with that being the only option, I suppose, it, you would have still loved to have something equivalent with the way Xbox had and the way PlayStation obviously had. But um, yeah, I think from a GameCube owner's perspective, it would have been interesting. And for me, I, I, I played on PlayStation 2, so a wealth of racing titles there but obviously seeing the Namco branding and uh, the interesting marketing we'll say, of the game as well <laughs> um, it was it was a surefire pick up just to see exactly what it was about and uh, there's one thing I will say like even going back to it now it, it definitely has that kind of impact and style that you would hope a game of this type would have I feel as if when we talk about uh, racing games that are prim primarily based around some sort of career or story um, they can try too hard to maybe keep it vested in reality or, or very simplistic but the cool thing about our racing is it seems to tap into that kind of ace combat type storytelling equivalent for racing games and it, it's just interesting because right off the bat it kind of it grabs you from that perspective of this is going to offer something that's a bit different to what else is out there beyond being a fucking simcade from the, the, the Ridge Racer creators which is obviously something that is a selling point on its own. Yeah, I remember reading an interview with uh, one of the main designers on this game. Uh, it was on IGN and I can't remember the dude's name and uh, I think it's still on IGN. I think you can still find it but he said something to the effect of like, you know, we wanted to do a more realistic racing game, uh, but we knew that we couldn't compete with Gran Turismo uh, in the sense of, of content, in the sense of, you know, having so many cars, having so many tracks, having physics that were that advanced. So we decided to kind of go off in our own direction to differentiate ourselves. And our way of doing that was with the narrative. 
which is a very Namco way to, to do things. I mean, you know, it's one of the reasons that, um, among many reasons that R4 is so beloved is because it kind of built this world uh, and, and R4 had sort of a weak narrative around it. So, you know, I think that's I think that's really cool. I think it's the kind of thing that I wish was like more of a factor in games today. I suppose we're kind of seeing it make a return with like Breaking Point in Formula One. Um, but, you know, this game was was very controversial at the time as as controversial as i guess it it could be given it's such a, a niche type title but you know for being namco's first racing game in a long time that wasn't i guess MoGP, to really deviate from arcadey ridge racer style drifting and all that stuff you know to come out and make a realistic racing game like this and i remember it was it was such a big deal and the game was I don't want to say failure because it's not like I have numbers out in front of me, but the game was not a critical success, uh, to, to put it mildly. But it, it was so off-putting to uh, fans that when they teased Ridge Racer for the PSP, I believe, uh, there was a trailer that, that said original drift handling. And I think, I think they used that phrase again for Ridge Racer 6 on the Xbox 360 because uh, they, they knew that they have kind of strayed away from what people expected of them. Uh, which I think is, I think it's unfortunate because you know we, we don't know where the series could have gone with with another entry if if the handling could have been a little bit better if it could if the game could have had a more fleshed out track roster because it was really low on the tracks you know I don't I, I I think it's just a matter of Namco really only had the resources to make like one of these games at a time and it it just tried this experiment with the realism or something that was relatively more realistic and it just. It just wasn't. It's funny because, like, I think it was what the market wanted, but just not from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's the it's one of these type of kind of experimental titles you probably wouldn't see nowadays either. I feel as if that kind of the development cost to time ratio and the kind of PS2, Xbox, GameCube era seemed to be that perfect sweet spot for some of the more experimental shit that we've seen. And it's one of those ones where as we move into the HD generation, the, the kind of cost of making games skyrockets. So you start to see maybe a little bit of that experimental nature from those not kind of bankrolled directly by the, con the console manufacturers fade away. And um, it, as a result, you don't see as much crazy shit. Because I think that's why the PS2, Xbox and GameCube era is so well regarded. Because it was just like the perfect time for those AA type games. and. For Namco, that, that gave them the perfect time to experiment a title like this because if it was the kind of mental success that maybe they, they could have hoped it could be, it could have been an interesting side series to Ridge Racer. And I mean, to be brutally honest, it's not as if the Ridge Racer series flourished that much past <laughs> this point. I mean, in our right. heart of hearts, we we still seen it as that fantastic series. But if you were to go back and look at the historical releases, releases from that point, there was definitely that downward trajectory of reused assets and a very similar gameplay experience. So I think that's why our racing in itself is pretty interesting because it was probably... I mean, what Ridge Racer title came after this? Would it be Ridge Racer 6 on the Xbox 360? Or, yeah, it would, would be, wouldn't it? Or would the PSP uh, games? It would, it would be a PSP one, right. and then, yeah, Ridge Racer yeah. 6. And then I guess the DS one, if you want to count that. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> at that point, I suppose, you can see that parallel of... Namco kind of playing it safe and they know what Bridge Racer fans like and they know, they know people will buy these games, they might not blow them away but on PSP at least it's a technical showcase which is fantastic but if you kind of look at what our racing evolution was trying to achieve it's almost trying to actually do what some of these games like Gran Turismo and Sega GT and stuff couldn't do that type of kind of Japanese flair to storytelling that they can make a gamble on that because this is an entirely new series and the end result it's pretty middling in terms of the success of the actual game, but in terms of how it's regarded by racing fans, I still think it's got that little bit of a legacy. Yeah, I think I remember this game fondly because, to speak more at least about my personal feelings on it, um, it does it handle fantastically well? No. Uh, does it have a ton of content that keeps you coming back and like a really engaging like career or anything like that? No. But it's just, you know, it is Namco, I think at the very tail end of Namco's like height of just masterful style, 
and uh, and and whether you're talking about the music, whether you're talking about uh, the UI, uh, even graphically, it's not a tour of the force, but the game just looks good in just a very clean way. Um, like the car select screen is is beautiful. It just like shows you the car from like a like below perspective and even when you go to the garage you can like turn on lights and 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 i, I actually recently just uh, streamed the game in our discord like last weekend so i was playing around with this and just like marveling at how good everything looked and how shiny everything looked and the soundtrack's incredible i mean the soundtrack for my money is um i think maybe the second best in the series and i include you know all the ridge racer games in that i would really only put r4 above it you know, maybe maybe have it on the level of of, of with Rage Racer. It, it is a really really fantastic soundtrack. So all of those beats that you would expect from Ridge Racer uh, and from Namco and the style side are there. It's just unfortunately wrapped in a game that has a story that's a joke, uh, if we're being honest, and has uh, physics that you know are, are just very odd. Because as as I'm sure a lot of people who have played these games uh, have have noticed. It, the the handling, the the assets, and just the way the game moves is very reminiscent of Namco's MotoGP games, uh, which is something I actually never realized until I played MotoGP3 last year, and I was like, yeah, this feels like our racing and now now i understand why the cars in our racing shake like they like fidget and like move around and they're like airlines and stuff because like those are all like callbacks to like or are all like kind of baked into both gp uh it's really interesting and i mean even the uis are similar like and 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 i think two of the tracks azuka and philip island are, are carried over from ogp so namco is definitely like trying to make this uh easy for themselves in, in as much as like be able to um to use what they already had to make a simulation type racing game in in the most expedient way but even then i, I have to imagine it's gotta be a mess like putting cars in a bike racing game <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean to be honest why didn't we just get the bikes as well man know what i mean fucking hell like if yeah. rena can go from an ambulance to a Fiat 500 with a fucking 16 litre engine or whatever the, the shit that thing has. <laughs> I don't see why you probably couldn't fucking diverge into MotoGP as well. Maybe that was the sequel. Yeah. So I think at this point we should just talk about the story because I think that's yeah. that's really what people are coming for. Uh, and, and to be honest, I remember when we tried to do this episode the first time I told you, like, I just played through the game. I've played through the game actually kind of like one and a half times since I... Uh, I mean, since like last month, because I I was first playing it on the PS2, and then I decided to try to emulate it uh, via Dolphin, and it looks really good upscaled, and so I found myself doing the career mode again. And for the life of me, I, I can't even remember what happens. <laughs> like I just, it, it is so, <laughs> it's so simple, but it's also just like, just so kind of just. It, 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 it is a story that is only there i feel like to check a box and like they do you know they do the cgi and the cgi looks really good um but yeah. it's you know let's be honest reina is on the box uh, of this game for a very specific purpose and most of the scenes of her and gina in in the, the cutscenes in the game in the career mode uh, or in the story mode are there for a very specific purpose and I guess that was supposed to be you know in addition to the story uh, maybe I guess that was the story that was supposed to differentiate uh, our racing evolution from from Gran Turismo well I mean they definitely hit on on the story I suppose and, and the story <laughs> sorry about how it's like impossible for a woman to be a racing driver apparently it's um, it's something that Certainly, Eddie in the story doesn't stand for the, the pricks prick, <laughs> as I like to call him. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about this game. It kind of wants to have its cake and eat it in terms of being like, here is the struggles of the main character, which are true and valid. But we're going to frame it in such an obnoxious way that it really does become insufferable when one of said characters who holds this prejudice is then given the happy ending of, of starting a, ra a racing team with Reina and um, fuck now, what's the, what's the the mentor guy called? Uh, Stefan. Stefan, yeah, so like, <laughs> Eddie's like, I've got this racing team idea, 
I, I think it's going to work out. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and he gets the chance to even feel this idea because he, he becomes friends. Does he become friends with Reina? I don't know. Reina drives for him and he acts like a dick the entire time. So it's one of these interesting things where there's some good ideas in there, but the execution is so fucking all over the place that it's very... <laughs> it's very hard to take it seriously because I, it's it's a simplistic story, yes. I feel as if it was handled with a little bit more tact, it'd be good. And I know we're, we're adding on this kind of 2000s Japanese game tax to the things where it's going to be a bit crazy and it's going to be over the top, which is fine. But I feel as if it's one of these things where none of the characters are likeable in any capacity in this game. And from my perspective anyway, the entire time I'm playing it, I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, Reina's pretty much a blank slate, so she qualifies as likeable, I suppose, but it's not yeah, as they, if... They, they all are. You know, they all are. And and the gist of it is she she's an ambulance driver, and I guess a, a, there's an accident at the race, and so she's then, like, picking up... Uh, uh, this uh, this driver who was in the accident, Stefan's in the car because Stefan runs a team, and Stefan's like, "Hey, you really got something." And she ends up racing for Stefan. Uh, Stefan is is part of a team that is owned by a cabal of sorts, which really just reminds me of like those shadowy figures that like control the world in uh, Evangelion. <laughs> um, and they basically like every time you see them, they're like you don't even see them. It's just like a bunch of black shadowy figures and like a dark room and a gigantic blue screen. And uh, they're they're involved in um, you know match fixing and and betting on uh, you know encouraging people to bet on their races and then throwing the races, which is something that happens to you in your career. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, it's it, it really feels like it wants to be this thing about like this deeper message about politics and the love of sport mixed in with, you know, um, uh, misogyny and, and all of that. And it just ends up like just throwing these like little tidbits in there. Uh, and, and it really is, it doesn't make any points. And, you know, to their credit, maybe they weren't trying to make any points, but it just it just all feels really flat, really flimsy. And um you know, I, I, I think the voice acting too, which I guess could be worse, but whoever they have doing Raina's English voice acting is she's she is very I don't know, there's one point I remember distinctly where she literally says like, I suppose I should have been more shocked by the by the association with high stakes gambling. And like she literally says like what's going on in the moment, like purely to service the uh the, the viewer, the player. And it's just, it is totally um, just surface level, uh, take things at face value, everything's right there for you. And I, and I think that's why, like, you know, we, we talk about this and you wouldn't expect anything else, you know, from a racing game at this time and, and from what our racing's trying to do. But I think playing it today, today it really, you know, it hasn't, hasn't aged well, uh, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, the story is written from the perspective of what well, seems to be kind of Namco story directors sitting in a room and they come up with four bullet points on the whiteboard <laughs> and then the big boss man rushes in and he's like okay what's our story and he's like right okay so ambulance driver becomes racing driver fantastic great um there's betting going on in this world and it controls teams and it ruins the sport and we're going to have somebody who objects to all of that because they're a normal human being okay that's great. Uh, we have a Fiat 500 powered by the engine from a Lamborghini Diablo. Alright, fair enough. <laughs> and then the last point was just and shiver scene because it's a game from that era and we need to have it and our main character is a female so we don't want to put any depth in there whatsoever. Also, also uh, they have to make her rival uh, another female racing driver because they they have to have two women compete because you know they can't they can't be friends and you know gang up on everyone else they have to they have to compete because that's the only thing that's allowed uh you know in in this world so um yeah it really does hit on a lot of tropes doesn't it yeah it does and it, it doesn't really elaborate on them which is it's fair enough i mean it, it's very surface level and if that's what they're going for then fine and i think it's this type of kind of racing world that's there and the the universe it kind of flimsily sets up 
does allow, especially when I was younger playing it, like your kind of imagination can almost fill in the blanks of what's not being explicitly told and you can make up more about that world and, and basically make it suit whatever narrative that you want and I mean at that point in time it was like the fucking height of like fan fiction and shit like that so I can only imagine for anybody who had an interest in kind of making up their own characters or, or making up their own plots and shit like a game like Our Race and Evolution would just suit that down to the T. I've seen so many like deviant arts of like Reyna in another like set of overalls or something like that or like I don't know Reyna on McLaren or something. It's just it yeah, really did have this like crossover appeal um with like budding internet culture, I guess. But I'm just being reminded of like some of my favorite moments in the career. And uh this is one I told you about, but it's towards the end when like it's after Eddie's introduced and they're doing the race at like uh, the privateer race, which is just old cars. That's that's all it means. And you know, um, I think Stefan's like, Reyna, you do this race. GVI would nevertheless have like a nice a nice race like this. They would be trying to, you know, control it and make it terrible and and, and suck the life out of it. But uh, this is after Eddie has uh, has kind of come into the story, and Eddie's like, I need to talk to Stefan, I need to talk to Stefan. Which, like, Eddie also is like, uh, fuck you, you're a woman. And then once Raina mentions Stefan's name, he's like, you know Stefan? Uh, so, that so that's really... So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a whole thing that happens. But then what I love about is when you're in this race, uh, driving like a Julia or whatever, um... Stefan comes over the radio because Stefan and other characters, because you can hear other drivers in this world over your radio, they all talk to you. And Stefan comes over the radio on like lap two and like, Reyna, Eddie has come to me with a very interesting business opportunity. I think he wants to start his own team. We'll talk after the race. <laughs> and I just imagine, like, can you imagine, like, Christian Horner over the radio, like, fucking next for Stefan, <laughs> tell him about this bullshit when, like, man's just trying to drive? Like, oh, my God. I That that cracked me up. I had totally forgotten about it until I played the game again. <laughs> and is it, like, the only time, like, something external yeah. to what's happening in the race is communicated as well? So it's, like... Yeah. Nothing else has ever come up on the radio that isn't related to the race in hand, but that proposition from Eddie was so fucking good. Like Stefan had to had to go on the mic and tell tell Reina. But I love that you use Christian Horner for that example because that does sound like something he would try and do. To be honest, mm. <laughs> uh, Max uh, Helmet has I can't do Christian Horner, but you know you know what I'm going for. Um, yeah, it's just and I love I love that that's how. That's how the radio works in uh, in this universe, is everyone gets to talk to each other. And I love, I mean, we even talked about the pressure system, but it's basically you you drive behind someone long enough until their meter fills up and then they spin out or they just forget to brake, uh, which is very funny. I think Corvette Evolution GT had that too around this time, which is another uh, PS2 era racing game. And when you're like tailing another driver, they'll come up on your radio, and and some of them just have absolutely ridiculous responses. They're just like seventy six because they can't call you by your name because you're a woman. Seventy six is out of control. So she's gonna kill someone, and it's like they're just they're driving like there's like two car lanes between you and them. Like, did you not? Is this not why you're here to race? Like, they're not a maniac. They're just fucking sharing a track with you. Like, it's hilarious how how um, the other drivers just like freak the fuck out, uh, and that always that always produces a laugh too. Yeah, I I don't get it. Like you're saying, we're there to race anyway. So here's me <laughs> adhering to the driving line, braking when I need to, completing very smooth overtakes. But you'd think I'd fucking kill the guy in the radio's family the way he's going on. Like, 76, how could you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, man. And the actual pressure system itself, it's a cool gimmick. Like, part of me would have loved for this game to exist in the kind of online multiplayer era because can you imagine the fucking salt online if they kept like a pressure system like that for versing other people in races? Was there split screen yeah. in this game? Actually, I think I think there was, but I I don't think the pressure system applies to it. But I think a way that you could do the pressure system with other actual players is maybe 
like when you're being followed by someone have your vision start to like get blurry or shake or something like that or uh people would fucking hate it the game would have gotten absolutely panned if they tried that but um that could be a fun way to do it i think it's one of those things that's mostly applicable to uh to ai and Hey, I mean, again, it, it served to differentiate the game, right? It served yeah. to make it a little bit different than everything else out there. And it is really silly. Uh, and to be honest, this game is so easy regardless of it. I mean, I guess it makes it easier. But like when you're doing the campaign, this this game is just such a it's, it's just a walk. It's, it's a walk in the park. Uh, it's a piece of cake. I think the event challenges tend to be a little bit harder when you do like the races and you go up against people and you win their cars. Um, but even those aren't that difficult. No part of this game is especially hard, and it's uh, yeah, it's funny that the that the pressure system is in there it gives it a little bit of uh, of personality, but also just like allows you to pass somebody just by following them, essentially, not even having to like really execute a move. <laughs> Mate, I, I've played many racing games, and overtaking someone is the most disrespectful thing you can do. Like, <laughs> if you never heard the reaction to another racing driver when you overtake mm. them, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've been playing these racing games wrong, but our racing evos taught me that you're an absolute psycho if you try and get past somebody. I mean, that's why Formula One is set up the way it is because passing is disrespectful. <laughs> so they they set up to make a formula where passing uh, never happens ever, yeah. uh, at least among the the top three cars. <laughs> yeah, that's it, exactly. Or, or the dedicated sections of the track where you're allowed to overtake as well. Yeah, where you're allowed yeah. to pass, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um. But it's the actual on-track on driving experience for me is just very uninspired. Um, like a lot of things in the game, it just feels a little bit kind of half-arsed in a way, in the sense that it doesn't really have enough personality when you're driving without the pressure system for it to feel memorable enough and then the pressure system feels a bit too simplistic to, to really actually make a tangible impact on how the, the game feels. It's it's fine. Like like you're saying, because of those kind of um, MotoGP routes that are there, there is definitely a kind of oddness to the handling that makes it unique. I just don't think it's really like uniquely fun in that sense. I think it's more like tolerable and because the the career mode is that easy as well personally speaking i've never kind of pushed the game's physics to the limits of seeing what it's like to drive on the edge i suppose because you never really have to do that anyway um and there's no time trial challenges or anything like that in here either is there like outside of the kind of i think there might stuff. be some event challenge thing but oh, okay cool uh i will say the game it doesn't handle great, but it, <laughs> um, it it gets a lot better if you played it, I think, on an Xbox, uh, because the triggers uh, make... Because this game, actually, when you turn off the traction control, the cars actually, uh, they, they do have a tendency to spin and slide, and having that little, um, you know, the extra dimension of throttle control is really important. Uh, so, like, for example, when I played the game on the PS2, which is technically a PS3, but, but same difference, um, the, uh, the analog buttons, um, don't obviously give you enough range of motion to really be able to, to execute, like, good throttle control, so the game feels pretty terrible that way, but when I then went to go play on my computer, uh, playing through Dolphin but using a DualSense, um, it felt a lot better, uh, it felt a lot better, and it didn't feel amazing, you know, but it, it felt tolerable, uh, which is... You know, I think good enough for me to kind of enjoy the game a little bit. Uh, but obviously, as you say, it's the, the experience of racing is so bland. The cars are spread so far apart. The the, the, the close, close racing is non-existent. Everyone's a pushover. And, you know, even the engine sounds. The engine sounds. I'm not a person who... who uh, likes to complain about engine sounds as much as everyone else do but like oh my god all the cars in this game sound the same and they all sound like you know basically the i feel like the sounds i think somebody in discord said the sounds were carried over between yeah. like ridge racer games so that just goes to show you like it's it's not not a visceral experience this is like imagine the total opposite of like the first grid and <laughs> and that that's that's what our racing evolution feels like to play yeah and it's one of these things where the 
the kind of clarity and crispness of the graphics, I suppose, kind of work well in that sense that the driving isn't very visceral because it does have that kind of very clean aesthetic look to it that probably suits a, a kind of slower, slower, more kind of approachable driving experience and really there's no cars here that will pose anybody any sort of challenge really in terms of just trying to understand how they should drive and, and what to do so I, I found the whole experience, I, I don't know if this is a positive, very very standard, unified overall, <laughs> like they're just Classic really seven out of ten racer. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. Like, it's very easy to get sidetracked with all these negative points and rip the, the terrible story to shreds because it deserves to be. But at the same time, it's like as a package, it's just so unique that if you are in this Twitch stream just now or listening to the podcast uploaded afterwards, then you know fine well you've either played this game or you might be interested in it now if you've somehow avoided it because. It offers something that you just couldn't readily source that was out there. The only other kind of story-driven racing games at the time outside of what Codemasters were doing pretty decently was like fucking Driven. Is that, is that Driven, the film? Well, you know what? Um, game as well. I remembered that the Toka Race Driver games did have their story. Although, the thing about the Toka Race Driver games is that they were a lot more... That was more like live the life of a racing driver, right? That was more like, um, yeah, you know... Yeah. Your first person camera you're talking to to that scottish dude um <laughs> and uh and yeah it wasn't like a movie like our racing is trying to be a movie and it's aye, you know aye. obviously not a very good one um but yeah i think we we said this when we we're talking about offline as well but for me the the biggest challenge is that you want to tell this movie story type hollywood affair but you've chosen closed circuit racing to base it around, so you lose a lot of that kind of drama and flair and family that you can bring in for street racing and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and the, the problem with our racing is it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it, so it still wants to have the corruption elements, but it wants to blow up to high heavens. It wants to have the whole, oh my god, is that a, a, a woman driving a race car thing going on? But then also make it so those people that say those things are, are part of our crew at the end. Um, and then, kind of crucially as well, there, there are various parts of the story where they reference these kind of like exhibition race events that not many people know about, but it can be yeah. held at Suzuka with an entire fucking pit <laughs> crew pair team. We, we gotta talk. <laughs> we gotta talk about that Fiat 500 too. But I'll let you finish. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, we'll get there. But I was just gonna <laughs> kind of cap off by saying like that. That whole hidden exhibition tournament that Stefan got us the, the crucial invite for takes place in like four different tracks that are incredibly different <laughs> geography wise and the people that run the tracks and stuff must just be like there, there come them racing teams again for some reason yeah. who knows what's happening there shutting down monaco again <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's it so it, it's one of those odd ones where you know what it, it isn't trying to be real life anyway so it's not as if it's a deal breaker but it's just funny because when they want to play the politics card, they can, but a lot of the story kind of beats are definitely vested in that area of if this was an official organisation, mm. that shit wouldn't have happened. So it, 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 it's, it's picking, like, I'm picking stupid shit out here, but it's just when you play the game, it doesn't really do any sort of job to invest you in that universe beyond what's kind of shown at face value on the screen. And you know what? That's fine. Like, I, that's obviously what they were going for or what the time constraints allowed perhaps so ultimately for me it, it is that 7 out of 10 category across the board but the story itself like don't don't come into this expecting to be like oh shit why are more racing games not doing this if our racing is the bar then I mean it, it should be fairly easy to clear because all you need to do is flesh out one or two of the, the, the half arsed plot points throughout and you probably get something a lot more tangible and, and fun to play yeah i think you can sum this game up and, and this is one of the reasons i wanted to bring up the fiat 500 is because like there, there is an event where stefan just tells you to drive this fiat 500 that's been souped up to go up against like gt 500 and and like you know lama race cars lama gt cars like like the mclaren f1 gtr and shit like that this race at Suzuka and you know this car has like 300 horsepower but it's Fiat 500 so it weighs nothing and uh, the game's very easy so you still win the race but th this Fiat 500 like it literally 
It is introduced for this event. It never comes up again. You're never told why you're driving this car. It, it just comes and goes and it means nothing. And it's like almost almost seems like they were trying to reference like Ridge Racer games in the past that had you drive some like wimpy kind of car, like the sold out Remure or like the Pac-Man car <laughs> or like the Wild Gang or like the uh, the Eriso from Rage Racer. But they don't like... And I guess if you play those games, you get it. But even then, it's like this is a different universe, so why? And also, like the Fiat 500, it doesn't have any modifications to it, uh, exterior-wise. So like, they could give it a really cool like, um, what whatever the uh, whatever that one Fiat 500 SS that had the crazy, I think the TCR Berlinetta or something like that, with the exposed engine cover and everything, and the huge wide body kit. They don't do that. So it's it's just like. They have these like quirky, neat ideas, but they're never fully explained. They're never fully understood, and they come and go so quickly that you don't even really recognize it. And that's that's really our racing evolution in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. It's one of these incredible turns the story takes with no rhyme or reason behind it. It just kind of throws it at you, and you know what? It is memorable. That's the thing, like, but I think it's more memorable because it was so fucking random, like, I, <laughs> I just, I, I would love to have known what the, what the kind of background for it being included was, because ultimately, there must have been a reason at some point, like, that that was just there, like, I thought maybe Stefan was going to say, oh, I raced this when I was younger, or some shit like that, but. That, that would make sense, that would give yeah. you a story reason for it. Yeah, but, um. Nice. Well, uh, I guess you you can't see Twitch, right? You can't see the chat. Yeah, I can I can see the chat now. Actually, I so I'm just oh, okay. Because Chris uh, Racer X XNFS <laughs> mentioned before he said that sounds like a case of quick shove this car in there somewhere. The director <laughs> says so, <laughs> which could very well be it. Um, I think at this point we should we should probably go through the chat because we said we we're going to do that during the episode and we 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 kind of didn't, but it's fine. We'll make up for that now. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. So. Lot, lots of comments in here about uh, whether or not the pressure mechanic is, is good or not. But uh, sorry, Brendan, continue. No, I was going to call it what uh, Jimmy NGX said. So apparently there were 62 unplayable cars in the game. Are those licensed cars, Jimmy? Or is it like just... I hope it's Ridge Racer cars. It'd be fucking great if it's like fictional Ridge Racer cars. But Is that is that your friend Jimmy that likes to, uh -huh. to post <laughs> random things? It might be. <laughs> Nah, mate, that is no. Thing. Okay, uh, I don't worry. <laughs> that, that would be funny. Uh, though. Um, I didn't. Sixty-two unplayable cars. I wonder if they're um if they're like custom liveries and things because this game has a lot of uh, it's got probably like 30, 40 some odd cars, and then the the European version had a few extras which are pretty cool, but yeah. it has a lot of interesting choices with the car roster, and one of the cool things is that. There are different liveries for all the cars. The liveries are actually pretty sweet. Some of them are, especially for like the GT car, some of them are real. Some of them are made up, but they're made up in the way that like Gran Turismo Sports, like GR3 and GR4 liveries are, where they're very, they seem like factory liveries and they look really good. Uh, some of the ones in this game, like I love the livery that is used for uh, the Audi TT or the, the Toyota VM180 or the livery they have on the... Uh, the Alpha uh, 147, I think, GTA or 156 GTA, um, all look really good. So, so it just kind of adds this this element of like these cars. Uh, these cars feel like they were they were like kind of looked after and, and designed at least deliveries by like the actual manufacturers, even though they they probably weren't. Yeah, and I think like in terms of the legacy, I suppose you could say. Um, these libraries have. I know if you play like GT Sport, for example, you'll see quite a few of these recreated as well. So they, they did nail down that that kind of fictional library but real car type thing that, that Polyphony were fantastic at in Gran Turismo. I feel as if a lot of the ones here, they don't have that kind of issue of being over designed, which you might see a lot of the time, or fairly basic replicas of cars but tweaking something so you don't get done for it trademark and copyright wise it is pretty cool some of the designs that we see here and on the actual cars themselves as well um 
it, it's just the, the sheer variety is fantastic because you've got so many different car classes here. Um, you've only got a certain amount of cars to work with because it's not as if it's like huge in terms of the content list, but they, they make it work, they really do, and even even for strange events like the fucking um, the drag racing that appears once or whatever, they, they still have some kind of cool muscle cars in there for that. They've got some really cool rally car choices. I think one of my favourites, the, the Fiat Puno Super 1600, I think you said to me, Adam, that that wasn't even in the US version, was it? Yeah, no, no NTSC version for that one. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's just interesting to see some of the choices in there because when I seen that choice, I was like, that's, that's pretty inspired but random. So I wonder how late in development that was decided to add to that or what the reason was for it not actually being in the NTSC version. Yeah, there were a couple cars like that. There was that one. There was um, the Ford Puma. There was a uh, Rough, I believe, and there was a uh, TVR Cervera Speed 12. I think that's all of them. I might be, I might be missing one or two, but there. It's a shame because they're all cars I really think are cool, and I would have loved to see in all versions of the game. But, uh, but they, they, they were missed out on some of them. This game also has the. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the Internet Game Card database right now. Uh, and, and this game also has a lot of oddies, like uh, the first car you drive is a Pantera, is a De Tomaso Pantera. And then uh, at the time before that car was really in any games. And then uh, there's also the DeLorean, which you unlock through event challenge, which is very weird uh, that's in this game. It, it has as much reason for being here. It probably has less reason for being here than the Fiat 500 does. Um, but then some really cool stuff in here too, like uh, the Advan Condo uh, Dome S101, which I, I tweeted about like a week or two ago because I think that car just looks incredible. And uh, it was a, a car, was a prototype that competed in 24 Hours of Le Mans one year back then. And I don't think it, it did particularly well. Uh, but in this game, you can choose it as opposed to the uh, Audi R8 or the Bentley Speed 8, which were much more successful. <laughs> Um, uh, Lamar prototypes. Yeah, exactly. But that one looks the best, so <laughs> that, that that gets my vote, mate. Yeah, Jimmy adds uh, the, there are some changes, such as the description, uh, and some of the prize cars from NTSC are available in the car dealership in PAL, which is cool because uh, you can buy cars with the money that you earn from races, or like the RP, I think is what the the currency is called. But a lot of times are like the crappy liveries are in the dealership. Like for the Viper, it's that purple one, which I guess is kind of cool. But it's just like it's just like a purple Viper. Um, not much, not much going on with the design there. And I think uh, it's also interesting that the the box art for this game too that reminds me is different in every region, because in Japan they had the uh, Pantera on the cover because the Pantera was kind of a big deal over there. In the U.S. they had the Viper Competition Coupe, and it looks it looks like a scale model. It does not look like a, a real Viper. And then, and then in the uh, PAL version, the most infamous of all is one of the most off-model McLaren F1 GTR <laughs> long tails you have ever seen in your life, uh, which is really funny because the, the model in the game isn't perfect, but it looks good, and it looks a hell of a lot better than the model on the box, which is, like, way more detailed, but completely disproportional <laughs> yeah i wonder where that even came from like do you think that was done by namco in-house or have they outsourced that and ended up with some frankenstein mclaren effort yeah it's it's very very strange and uh astronaut the gringo adds that in, in the japanese version it only showed the car there was no reina so in japan they didn't need reina to sell this game uh but but us us westerners are uh or savages, and so I guess they, they did. So, <laughs> and then uh, I'm pretty sure Gina appeared on the Ridge Racer DS cover, didn't she? Yes, she, she wasn't even given top billing on our racing evolution. I don't think she's even Would... in Ridge Racer DS issues, so that's no, no, she's that. not because because Ridge, Ridge Racer DS is a uh, yeah, QXC who's in our chat knows, uh, is massive fan of that game. Um, Ridge Racer DS is just Ridge Racer 64 on the DS, so. I think she's, if I remember correctly, because I played that game very briefly, and I think she's on the 
main menu too. She's like the background of the main menu, kind of like Reyna is for, for our racing, except the DS has those two screens, right? So it's like you get you get twice the the Gina if you <laughs> That's something that you want. Twice the Gina, what a quote, mate. Yeah. Somebody's going to clip you on that for sure. QXE wants me to say, well, didn't want me to say this, but uh, I am not a fan of DS. All the tiny minor differences bug me a lot. I, I said you were a fan of 64, uh, and DS is based on 64, whether whether we can admit that or not. I mean, it basically uh, basically is. And Ridge Racer is like a very lazy series, isn't it? <laughs> There's like all these different releases that are basically the same content, and then the Ridge Racer DS just being Ridge Racer 64. But I suppose there was like Super Mario 64 on the the DS as well, so maybe they were just following that trend. Yeah, I think there were some really. I don't know if it was like. I mean, the hardware you would think would be gear. That I think Nintendo, when they were working on the DS, were trying to make it as efficient as possible to port or to to bring 64 games over to the DS. So it was just natural. Especially those were back in the days where like Ridge Racer was launching every single console. It was on. It, it was there at launch for every single platform, and it wasn't up until. Um, the generation before the one that just started where that that was no longer the case because it was even there for the 360 which is just weird to think about yeah absolutely man. But, uh wonder why pantera is such a big deal in japan uh Huxai says i i looked into this and i somebody said it was a somebody uh i think in the discord explained it and i can't remember what they said but um i remember uh yeah, the, the the there's there's something there with the Pantera in Japan. There's some reason why they love it over there, and it's a very cool car. I actually saw one in person not that long ago, and uh, unfortunately, because of of my upbringing, that game is uh, or that car is intrinsically tied to our racing evolution. It is just our racing evolution, like personified. I'd love to have a copy of the the Japanese version of the game just for that cover, of the car on it, because it just. It, it's a fucking work of art, man. <laughs> it's a cooler cover, and it's also... Uh, I feel like Gran Turismo 4 also went for like the stark white cover, and, and GT4, I think the Japanese cover of that, where it just has the, the Gran Turismo logo and says the drive of your life. Uh, very understated, very minimalist. And GT4 came out after, after our racing evolution did, so maybe, you know, maybe Namco would have a case on their hands. Yeah, our racing evolution was the the real inspiration for Kazunori's Gran Turismo series. That's just factual. We we know that to be the case now since we've just confirmed it. So I know Kaz Kaz has said in the past he doesn't really play other games. Uh, they they're not relevant or whatever. But I'm willing to bet if Kaz played our racing evolution or knew about our racing evolution at the time, I feel like he would have said this game feels horrible but is very very attractive visually and 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 stylistically because you look at that game and then you look at like the massive glow up that like gt4 had really after gt3 how it just seemed like there was a lot more care put into like the ui and stuff like that and the graphic design um i think i think kaz is a secret fan of our racing evolution i'm willing i'm willing to make a bet on that don't ask me how much money though well, mate, you put it out into the wild now. Um, it wouldn't be the first time we broke a scoop on these streams, so um, this this one should get traction, and maybe Kazunori will have to go on Twitter to debunk the rumours, especially he doesn't want GT7 being overshadowed by our racing evolution. You know what I mean? It's, it puts him in a bit of a spot. If, if Namco wants to uh, ruin Sony's Sony's party, they have to remaster or remake our racing evolution. Put that on the same day. Put that on March fourth, twenty twenty two, and uh, yeah, I think I think we'd have a real battle on our hands. Uh, I think I know what game would sell the most out of those two, and it definitely doesn't start with an R. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, we're, we're hitting the hour mark right now. Um, we yeah. took about the first like five to 10 minutes of the show trying to set up the show, but I think at this point we've covered a lot. Uh, if there are any parting thoughts, uh, from you, Brendan, uh, meanwhile, those of you in the chat can get in your parting thoughts. Uh, if you have any, 
uh, and we'll we'll just uh, start to wrap it up here. Yeah, so I mean, just from my perspective, then obviously go back and revisiting this one because I did have very fond memories of it from childhood. It's one of those ones that can really go either way, um, especially when it is a game that it doesn't have a kind of universally acclaimed reception. So it, I, I hoped it was going to be much like um, the GTI Club uh, Super Manifesto situation where going into that with kind of neutered expectations of what, what I was actually going to play, it could only really exceed them. The issue was that once I actually had the copy and I was and I booted it up, I had already kind of taken myself away from being hyped about it because I was remembering the times I'd had with it when I was growing up. Um, all in all, it was a very forgettable experience returning to it. Obviously, I appreciate the presentation and style a whole lot. Um, the, the car list is fantastic for its size. There's some really cool track choices in there as well, um, including Monaco, which, given how much of a nightmare that is to license, is pretty impressive to have there. Um, but overall, I do think it's one of these games where you, you kind of play it for the impact it tried to have on the genre, more so than for a fantastic basing experience that you can rave about. Um, for that reason alone, it is worth looking at, but for, from my perspective, it's not something I would kind of rush to return to. I think you've got those kind of meme-worthy elements like 76 and the fucking the shiver scene and the Fiend 500 and GVI being this all-controlling eye in the background. Like there's, there's some funny stuff in there that gets frequently referenced in our Discord. Um, but, uh, you know what, I, I'm glad it exists. This is what it always comes down to for me. I'm very rarely in a situation where I'm like, oh, I wish... Uh, not a wish, but I'm, I wouldn't be too arsed if that didn't exist. What I find is when we visit these games, even when they're absolutely horrendous, like Sega GT, we always find something to go, you know what, that was a great idea. In that game it was the kind of car creation tool, which is pretty wild and pretty cool to see. And in our Racing Evolutions case, it's that idea of taking like a Hollywood film type storytelling and, and trying to put it in a racing game. Um, and yeah, you know what, check it out if you've not played it somehow. And also revisit it if you've not went back for ages, because it's not going to blow you away, but it's not a huge time investment either. I think there's like fucking 20, but 15 minutes of cutscenes overall or something, so once you account for the races into that, it's like a three-hour story or something. I think. You can finish the campaign in like three hours, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. it really doesn't take very long. Um, yeah, you know, like it's one of those games, it's, it's hard to explain why I enjoy playing it. I don't love our racing evolution. I don't think it's this like secret masterpiece like we found out GTI Club Super Mini Festa was or anything like that. Um, but uh, I do I, I do feel like a sense of calm and just and just enjoyment playing it. And I think that's what draws me back to this game for some reason. Uh, you know, it's a, a classic thing I think that draws me back to a lot of Rage Racer games in general. Is like even even though I don't think like Rage Racer, for example, handles very well or is that fun to play, it's it's actually really maddening to play. Um, the aesthetic, the visuals, the music, uh, the cars, that all of the things that are sort of um, secondary to experience make the experience worthwhile. I think our racing evolution is is one of those games that. Um, survives on that and to some people that might seem like it's like a weak way to uh to kind of stake your claim but you know these days i don't see a lot of games that really hit the stylistic element the same way so i think today especially even though some things like the story haven't aged very well uh we can also say that there's there's no racing game out there right now that just kind of feels the way this one does and uh i think it's important for that reason but as I go through uh, some of the comments here, uh, Fernando has a challenge for the listeners and the chat and everybody here. Um, <laughs> he actually brought this up to me before. I challenge anyone to try and achieve gold on the event challenges RR Specialist event at Monaco. Uh, I remember Fernando, I vaguely, and you can't respond because this is on Twitch. Um, I vaguely remember you asking me if I like ever hundred percented all of the events in this game, and I and I was like, hell no, why would I ever do? Because <laughs> there's so many. The event <laughs> challenge has like well over like a hundred events. I'm like, I'm never, never gonna do that. You can't, you can't pay me enough to do that. 
Mate, I, I'm I, sure I, it's I, very I difficult. I totally forgot the event challenges were there. Like, I, I don't know how I managed to not see them when I was back playing it not so long ago. Um, well, that's how you unlock like 70% of the cars in the game is through the event challenge. You, you can keep doing the, the story mode events over and over and over again. Each time you do, you unlock the car that you race them with. But if you want some of the secret ones, like I think the only way to get the McLaren F1 is through event challenge. The only way to get the DeLorean is through event challenge. Um, I think the TVR and the PAL version is the same way. Yeah. So yeah, the event challenge is definitely worth doing. It's that is the secret like meat of the game that they don't they don't advertise until yeah. after i'm almost surprised that there's nothing at the end of the of the story mode that says now go play event challenge it seems like that would be a perfect kind of bouncing off point you could even frame it as if that's what happens after the main storyline go, go check out the types of races and shit that reina and co uh undertook after defeating the big bad gvi but um, we didn't talk about how they have to. They uh, Reyna has to race to win the team's freedom. Oh shit! We it's the final that, race aye. of the game. Aye. Is is a uh, you get into a Lama an LMP one and you have to race this guy with like a a Doctor Doom voice uh, around Motegi for five laps to win your fee your freedom from GVI because that is the way that it works in the racing world. Absolutely, uh, I always recall when. A Formula One driver talks about moving teams and they're like, oh man, I was just enjoying my holiday in the off-season. Then I get the call from Dr. Doom that we need, we need to have a 1v1 race. Uh, what track in the Formula One calendar would be best for that? I, mean, I don't know. Monaco. Go on, Monaco. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, can't, you can't move team unless you be at that guy because that's what happens. Right. Fernando, uh, you know, obviously Codemasters, you know everyone there. Um, Maybe maybe slide a note under the door of the people who are writing for Breaking Point for F1 2022 and uh, throw in, you know, ask them to throw in a win your freedom race or like a, a throw this race type of uh, type of moment in the campaign. I think I think that would really make Breaking Point a lot more exciting and a lot more realistic because obviously that's how racing works. Actually, what you could do is uh, the the player's character like instead of um Aiden or whatever he maybe maybe they could be a former ambulance driver. <laughs> One Easter egg that would be, or like um Admeister says in the, the chat maybe Grid Legends has these little um, references that we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, Grid Grid Legends has a story has a has, it's big on story um it's probably gonna have a kick-ass story because it looks absolutely ridiculous it's like. The trailer people are about to like punch each other like every five seconds so yeah I'm excited for that uh, i'm excited for grid legends as well mate uh, I, yeah but. there'll be some interesting stuff there yep so i think that's gonna wrap it up brendan it's late over where you are um and uh and i i think we have covered our racing and hopefully we will not lose this one and <laughs> uh we'll be uploading it so uh, if you missed the stream, uh, those of you who, who uh, came into the stream late here, we thank you for joining us, or everyone for joining us. But if you came in late, uh, you will be able to listen to the podcast to, to hear the parts you missed. So um, uh, as usual, thank you. I'm doing this live, so it's a little bit different. Uh, go uh, like to put a message at the end of the show sometimes. Go find uh, time underscore extend on Twitter and DM us if you want to be in the Discord, which is a very fun place to be. And all of the people here pretty much uh, in these Twitch comments uh, are members of our Discord. And we uh, we enjoy, we all enjoy the the uh, lovely racing game centric discussion that they, they uh, enrich our lives with every single day. So <laughs> go be a part of that because it's a fun thing. Yeah. And also, if you do like the Twitch stream stuff, just get on our case to keep doing it it is something that you know what we love the idea of it and we have ideas for what we would do it's just when it comes to this twitch streaming stuff it's a whole new world of production and we always say any feedback's appreciated so if you want to see more of this type of thing or just more streams in general then just let us know yeah just just bug us bother us uh say mean things to us <laughs> they don't have to be mean but you know it it, it, it accentuates the uh, the effect of the message. But. Yeah, exactly. 
but yeah, uh, thanks everyone so much. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we will be doing a, a live pod like this soon. But in any case, you'll hear from us again soon. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks very much, guys. Good night.